Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Thomas Mai. And I'm Zancy Weber. The Craving Creativity Podcast is our cry for help. A way to help ourselves as creatives to talk about how we get inspired, how we create, but also how we deal with stress, mental illness, and everything in between. Now, if you're creative, you, like us, have most likely always been seen as the black sheep of your family and always making different choices than what 90% of normal people might do. Uh, Not going for the safe choice, but always living a little on the edge. With the Craving Creativity Podcast, it is our hope to create a safe space where we can talk about being creative. We want to build a community of like minded creatives and help each other subscribe email us and be part of the creative journey you are listening to craving creativity and we are on episode 10 double digits saying did you ever think we we're going to get this far i did i did think we would get this far okay um i won't <laughs> lie i i've had a little bit of experience releasing podcasts and i think this this was I could tell from the start that we would we would stick with it and we'll, okay. we'll get past that seven yeah. episode mark. Um, who knows where we'll go from here though? Yeah, it's 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 just open season now. It is open season and and I'm enjoying it. So thank you so much for doing this with me. I really I'm also enjoying it. So you don't have to thank me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do a short introduction of us. Uh, my name is Thomas May, and your name is Zane C Weber. And we have this little podcast called Craving Creativity. And the whole idea is we talk about something, a topic, an issue. And today we're going to talk about artistic ownership. And Zane will start talking about that. And then we have a top three list at the end where we have three things that we both had to prepare or talk about in relation to this. But you want to talk about artistic ownership today, Zane. Yeah, so there's a really interesting story that comes out around 2015-2016, about Anish Kapoor. So around this time, scientists invented a material called Vanta Black made out of carbon nanotubes, which basically absorbed 99.96% of all visible light. So when you looked at it, you just saw black. It was just darkness. There was no reflections. There was no anything like that. And Anish Kapoor is an Indian-born artist, quite famous, quite uh, well-known and and wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bought the rights, the exclusive rights to use this material in art. Mm-hmm. So he didn't create it, but he just paid for the rights and said, no one else can use it except me. Huh. In response to this, now, of course, a lot of people were like, you can't, you can't just say... I, I'm not allowed to use aluminium in my uh, in my artwork anymore. I can't. I'm not allowed to use uh, uh, water or or in my sculpture. Um, but because it was a, a new patented uh, painted material, yeah. Um, through that process, he was able to purchase the exclusive rights to use it in art. So he he bought the supply. So he's the only one who's sitting on the supply no, of this so paint. He made an agreement with the patent holder okay. that if it was going to be used in artwork, he was the only person allowed 
to do it. Huh. And what was the reaction in the art community? Outrage, basically. <laughs> um, like it was perfectly legal what yeah. he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and there was no real way to get around it because the people who held the patent, uh, which was the the lab that created it, basically were like, well, this is a perfectly legal agreement that we've made and yeah. he's paid for the rights and so no one else can use it. Enter uh, Stuart Semple. So Stuart Semple is an artist. Uh, he big into paint and he makes pigments as well. So he, Vanta Black was marketed as the blackest black. Um, now it is kind of toxic, so it's not a great paint pigment, but you know, if you want ultimate black, which is a big thing in the art community, in the painting community, um, Vanta Black was there. So Stuart Semple created the pinkest pink, uh, which was a fluorescent pink, uh, pink, uh, pigment that he sold on his website for cost price, no profit at all. Um, and er anyone could use it except Anish Kapoor. Um, <laughs> basically he, he said, uh, you're not allowed to buy it if you're Anish Kapoor or buying it on behalf of Anish Kapoor. And no way place can this be made, get into the hands of Anish Kapoor. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and then of course, Anish Kapoor gets some of it coats a middle finger with it and posts it on Instagram. Um, and so basically was just a little bit of a dick about the whole mm -hmm. thing. So what I wanted to talk about yes. is how much ownership can an artist have over either a process mm -hmm. or like the art, obviously the art that you create mm -hmm. is yours, but what if what you create is a collage? And I guess this comes up with electronic music as mm -hmm. well. Like if you're sampling other people's songs yes. to create a new song, yes. how, uh, how, how much credit do you get for your creation yeah. and how much do you have to credit the original artist and yes. that sort of thing? Um, so I don't know what the rules are in the art world. Yeah. But I do know what the rules are in the film world yeah, and in the place. music world. Yeah. So in the music world, you've got the mechanical rights uh, and you've got the distribution rights and you've got the um, original rights and the songwriting rights, stuff like that. So it's when rap music came out and started sampling different beats and stuff like that. There was cases that was made and brought to judges uh, in America and, and across the world has now been recognized is that if you take a sample for somewhere else, you have to credit and mm -hmm. you also have to pay some sort of royalties to them so that has been solved <clears throat> and um and those who didn't do it got sued by the big record companies yeah. because yeah. that's just to, to to tell all the people so that got really sued that got really settled and that's also when napster came out because napster was just of course a file sharing program yeah you now, could just share pictures you could share, pictures, share baby pictures baby pictures or <laughs> you could share music or you could and share the beatles full disco discography <laughs> and somebody was very angry including metallica <clears throat> who then yep. went ahead and had protest outside napster and wanted to meet with uh what's the guy's name i can't remember who made uh, oh i also yeah, cannot yeah. remember his name <clears throat> he has a big role in the film um the social network um played by justin timberlake i can't remember his name right now i'll put that in show notes sorry um but uh he got shut down by the record companies over time because yeah. he had to all his money but he wasn't necessarily making money of it but he was he wasn't but that's a long story but there's rules has been established in that. Also, rules have been established in the film world. Now, I don't know about the art world. <laughs> I do know that if you have a painting, if you make a painting and, and you create it, it's yours, it's original, you can then sell it to someone else. Yeah. 
and in Australian law, what I believe is Australian law, they, if they then sell it on to someone else and they make a profit on that, you are not entitled to it. No, no. no so, uh, but the, see, that's the thing is it is a, uh, I guess it's a finite physical product. Yes. So that's very easy to understand yes. what that is. But when, say what you're creating is the, say it's a, it's a concept of uh, all of my art is going to involve chocolate coated bananas yeah. as like, and I'm going to, can I file a copyright on anything with chocolate coated bananas saying that if anyone else is doing that, they're referencing my work. And is that something that I can section off? No. And also, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess like legally, I know you can't do that because yeah. again, what Anish Kapoor did yeah. perfectly legal. He made a deal and, with, with and the, the supplier of it. So yeah. that makes sense. He made um, a deal with them. But, Again, Anish Kapoor is a very wealthy person who yes. can back that up with, with money. With money, yes. If and lawyers and contracts, yeah. If yeah. someone has created something who doesn't have the money, and then another say, and they send a song into a record label, and the record label goes, "Oh, that's a really nice song. I don't know where we got it from." Gives it to one of their big artists, they release it, and yeah. this other person's going, "Well, that's actually my song." Yeah, and then you can have to prove that in a court of law, and it has been happened before. And sometimes yeah. you win, sometimes you lose, but you still have to prove that you were the rightful person who's sending it in. So in America, at least, all the record labels and studios and talent agencies will not open any envelopes from yeah. unknown people because they don't want to be liable yeah. to, well, you saw the title on my script or you read my script, so they send it back unopened, yeah. return to sender, because they don't want to be potential liable to someone they don't know. You have to go through people they know and trust to make sure that what you're given is something that comes from the right people so nobody can sue you later on. And this is where we get situations yes. like ants and a bug's life or yes. uh, the the swathe of asteroid movies that came out yes. one after the other. Exactly. Um, or in 1992 when they were celebrating the 500 years of Columbus landing in America, there was two movies came out at the same time yeah. about that. So <laughs> it's 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 possible, you know, it's, it's just... And I guess like, well, that this is what I'm interested in your opinions on is the how, where do you, where do you get, where, where are you comfortable drawing the line on artistic ownership and reference? Who said great artists deal? Was that? <sighs> Was, uh, wasn't Was that it Warhol? Yeah, Warhol or Picasso. Hey, we'll look that up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that. In art, as you also talked about in one of the other episodes, you can reference other people. Yeah. And you can pay homage to them. Um, but you can also be inspired and be moved by what they do and have references to it. So I don't know what the line is. Um, if you blatantly take a whole scene or a whole film or a whole music piece, yeah. that's stealing. But if you're inspired or you in any way make it known that it was inspired by those people, then it's okay. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Um, in the film world, it's intellectual property, just yeah. like music and, and it's, it's copyrighted and it's protected no matter what country it's made in. And there's laws that governs that country where that movie belongs to. And if somebody buys a movie from one country to another country or territory, those rights then follow with it. So there, there is established 
completely there. But in, in the artist world, as you're talking about with painters, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's take it away from the art world. It yeah. was Picasso, by the way, saying yeah, I that so. good yeah. artists uh, copy art. bad bad artists copy great yeah. artists steal. steal yes. Um, Let's let's go in the world of social media. So basically, let's let's go into either YouTube or TikTok. Yes, where the whole platform is set up, where you can stitch your video with someone else's video, yeah. or you take the sound from another person's video and put it on, and you either add to it oh. or you change it in some way. And like some of these people are now making thousands and thousands of dollars yes. on technically work from other people yeah. who may not be seeing that. And that is, this is a really interesting world where we are collaborating, but we're not doing it in, in, in like a, we're not doing it in a mindful way. Okay. We are, these are the tools that people have that, that exist. Yes. And we're not thinking of necessarily who put them there or why they exist. Well, to answer that, because from everything a, is available online now. It's yeah. true. Uh, so I'm not a lawyer. I just want to point that out, and nor do I want to be a lawyer or anything like that. But I, just, thing, I, I don't, I don't I just, really want to talk about the legality because I think that's tried and true. Like, yeah. and we we do the law does the best it can. Yes, but let's say figure these things out. Let's say an American uploaded this to YouTube, and then a person in Germany went in and sampled and changed yeah. it, right? But then TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. Mm -hmm. And so you have three different jurisdictions there. And then when you sign up with TikTok, you know, you sign some terms and conditions. Yep. And in those terms and conditions, it will spell out what you can do, what you cannot do, yep. and what your rights are and what not your rights are. Because when you upload something to YouTube or Facebook or Google, or whatever it is, you have at some point agreed with a contract. Now, yeah. you might just tick the box and yes, I agree. <laughs> and you never looked at the fine print, but there is a fine print that is a mile long. And in there, you gave the consent to let them rule. So when Trump was kicked off Twitter yeah. or Facebook, he's like, why am I being kicked up? Well, you violated our rules. Yeah, but we got, I got, I got the <laughs> First Amendment and my freedom of speech. Yeah, yeah, you can free say all you want, but this is a private company. We control what we can say on this platform or not. Yeah. So there, there is, again, it's not going to legalities, but there's different restrictions there that has to go through. Um, I'm just, I'm, I know I'm bringing it all to the more boring side. No, but, no, absolutely. But, but, this but is that's, 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 that's where it, it would eventually lead up. So if the German person stole something from the American guy, the American guy would have to either go to TikTok, again, owned by a Chinese company, where yeah. rules are different, even though China has agreed to certain rules on UN, on, on, on IP and global rights, it's not always monitored or enforced yeah. or lived up to what it is in other countries like the US. And so it's a tricky one because TikTok is owned by it. It's a Chinese company. Yeah. So it's a completely different ballgame. I had to be in YouTube or I had to be in, which is owned by Google, of course. There's different rules because it's Google and, and YouTube, of course, is placed in California where there's very specific rules as yeah. opposed to if they're yeah. placed in, in Texas. So yeah. yeah, just examples. If, you were, if you're a painter in Texas, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, in California, if <laughs> yes. you're a painter in California and you sell on your, your, your artwork to someone else mm -hmm. and they sell to someone else, you are entitled to a piece of it by really? law. But you have to enforce it. You have to go to the judges. And, right, yeah. And it's going to cost you money to try and get that money, but you are secured a portion of it. I can't remember how much it is. So there is That's a rule in there. It's, it's one of the only states that does that in yeah. the US. Where other states like, buddy, you're on your own, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. Well, I guess the next question is, rather than the, than the legality of it is, do you think less of art that heavily references something else? So let's say uh, there is an 
extremely there there is an art piece sold for a lot of money yep. that is basically I don't know Gwyneth Paltrow on the body of the Mona Lisa. Um, do you think that that art is worth uh, less for being referential or do you think that it is just as valuable artistically? Well, you say Gwyneth Paltrow and Mona Lisa. I think that sounds more <laughs> like a meme to me, but he, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, well, I mean, in the, the, the art world is crazy. Like yes, a banana... Yes duct taped to a piece of wall. Yeah. Um, but but that's, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying an art piece that Fish heavily in a blender, something. yes. Yeah. Uh, cow decaying in front of you or pig yeah. or whatever it was. Or yes. let's just say something that takes like modern American uh, iconography and uh, paints it in the style of Hieronymus Bosch with this kind yeah. of uh, Rubenesque and landscapey. Uh, well, I think your question was... My Do you think less of creativity that is heavily reverential? Does it move me? Does it touch me? Does yeah. it provoke something in me? Does it, what kind of reaction am I getting? Am I just laughing at it? Well, then I, <laughs> you know, or I'm like, wow, that's really creative. Well, that's really well done. So it's, again, art is subjective. We talked about that a number yeah, of times. Yeah. So it's how I react to what I'm seeing. That's that's okay. my that's my take on it. Because right now, if you're putting keep your example Gwyneth Paltrow on Lisa Mona Lisa it sounds in my head silly but in your head it might be something completely different right so so or, no, it's uh, silly in my head as okay well. thank you so I hit that right one but so it's it's all about um how your interpretation at least in in my book and how people reference it but ownership is a fascinating size yeah and it's a scary one because so many people have been burned especially in the art world with galleries and you know, there's all these stories about some some gallery discovers someone and they, they put all the shows up and they take 50%. Yeah. But then they've already have a buyer who wants to buy it for a lot more. So they go out and have a middleman and then sell to un, to the final buyer and then they make the money and don't share the 50%. Of course. The, and that's happened multiple, multiple times. So the art world is a tough, tough world when it comes to that. They don't have many rights except in California and a few other states. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what the rights are in, in Australia where we are based, so I have no idea. But um, Yeah, I also do not know <laughs> specifically um, because I, I didn't expect it to go down specifically no. painting and, and sculpture routes. <laughs> I would have looked it up otherwise. But I think like when it comes to new modes of art, like yeah. do you think that someone could uh, patent or copyright or trademark maybe a, a, a meter? So like a, a, a particular style of poem. So no, I assume that no, the haiku no, doesn't exist. Because no, Metallica no. did try to trademark a chord progression, did they not? You can't. You, you can't. It's impossible. <laughs> you can't go in and say, uh, I know that you can you can own the DNA in the human body, which of course to me is absurd. How can you patent life? Yeah. I mean, I, I already there, I'm, I'm, I'm out of it because that's ridiculous. But... No, you cannot do those things. You cannot own a piece of a sound or music. You can say, well, those three notes put together with those two other notes yeah. is a sample, is what we create on our song. And that's unique because it's different from other songs. And if you yeah. use that, we own a piece of that. Yeah. But you can't say, well, this instrument. Now, let's say Metallica came out and invented a new type of guitar sure. played with laser lights and you know flames coming out everywhere. They could patent that thing and only yeah. they could use it and they only made a prototype of it, and then it would own it forever. That's fair game, but you can't go out and say, 
well, because we riff a guitar a certain way and I move like this, or what is it, what is the guy from Van Halen, the guy with the guitar who runs down the stage oh, in, yeah, yeah. in schoolboy uniform, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a trademark thing, but he doesn't own that. Yeah. If other people did that on the stage, everybody knew that they were referencing him and therefore it may become a homage. You can't patent that. Yeah. Um, you could record it on a film or uh, from a concert, and then that concert film was now an IP, and nobody can take from that where he's now moving across the stage in that particular way. If that makes sense? Yeah, no, look, so, I, I think I'm reassured because, like, as I said in the last episode, I prefer to create from a referential standpoint, yes, whereas yes. I'm building from what surrounds me okay. and trying to add to or, yeah. uh, I guess, um, uh, manipulate in some way what already exists. Yeah. So that's reassuring to me. What what I'm always interested in is if if artistic expression that comes from so an artist says I've seen this work and it has affected me in this way. Yeah. And I'm putting out this work, which is this work with the changes that I have filtered through my body. So yes. it's the statue of David, yeah. but he is checkerboarded with a banana in one hand. Yes. Um, then you have created art piece and you yeah. have done that, but other people can put a banana on their statue if they want to. <laughs> no, you don't absolutely. own the banana or the art. Right? Um, yeah. My, my, my question is like what I, and this because I don't really know that, is like I think when I look at that, I'm like, well, that, is just the statue of David, yes, with some cosmetic changes, <laughs> yes. Um, and unless I am told the exact emotional process that created that art piece, yeah, I'm going to think less of it. I, I understand, um, and I guess that's the conflict that I that I'm yeah, interested yeah, in. Yeah. Um, is is obviously they want to reference the statue of David, but by automatically doing that, you're making me think of David, not your art piece. I think every time you reference something in 95% of the cases, it's going to be, uh, it's going to less, do your work less, give you less value. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because while you're playing homage, you're not going down the road route of originality. And I think the road of originality is a much more exciting road to be on. Yeah. Because you're pushing the boundaries. You're doing something new and something fresh, something different. And, and when it hits, yes. it's all you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And let other people homage you if you want to do that. So <laughs> I, I think that's that's my best answer I can say to that yeah, question. Absolutely. Well, we have talked about uh, artistic ownership. Do you think we covered that area? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. I was interested in having the, the yeah. conversation with you on, on where that line for you kind of stands. Yeah. Um, so just before we get to our top three list that you've asked us to prepare, just for people who listen to this and uh, don't know, but I used to be, I was a film sales agent. So I would sell films country by country, dealing with rights and management and and, and IPs and, and music rights and all that stuff. So that's why I know a little bit about it. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not a legal expert, but I've certainly been on a lot of contracts, a lot of deals where we had to sit and figure this out for country by country. So that's where yeah. my experience comes from. Anyway, so you asked us to come up with a list of top three inventions yeah. that had changed the... Changed creativity yes. in some way. All right. Well, I'm interested in hearing your first because I, th- the three I came up with, I'm certain you're going to come up with all the same three. <laughs> Otherwise, there's something. Yeah. Okay. So the first one uh, is probably the newest and okay. the least explored 
so far, but something I'm very interested in, okay, which is programming. Programming, yeah. So yeah. the what AI and AI programmers are doing with creativity and artwork at the moment is yeah. very, very interesting because they're training AI to look at things through, learn through looking at things like people, yeah. like humans do. And what that does is they make these wildly fantastical images that you just can't understand because everywhere that you look is what you're expecting to see, but not what should be there. Ah. So it can turn buttons into eyes and it looks like you've just got a pile of faces on there, but then in one shift, it becomes a shirt. Huh. And so it's very interesting and, and programming like programming uh, a uh, a computer to compose like famous composers because obviously you, music is something that you can very easily mathematically analyze. Yes. And you can put in the rules that yep. composers would have follow, uh, yep. did follow throughout their yep. career and create another Bach. Yeah. Um, that or is, Beethoven or Mozart. Yeah, exactly. But do you like that? I think that this is something that is going to change art and humans relationship with art yes because it is going to make it's going to take when painting was the main form of art you had to spend years developing the skills that's true to put the the brush to yes canvas yeah with programming it takes that level of detail out you get to throw ideas at a computer program and have art created from those ideas i I see that but are you not missing the human connection the soul the purpose the (laughs) mystery the pain the happiness the love all the emotions you're missing that in a moment yes i would say yes and that is why we haven't seen a lot of like digital art from these sorts of things but i think the programming is it's on the cusp of changing the way that at least digital art especially when it comes to music yeah um and and that sort of thing is going to be both created and consumed huh yeah i maybe i'm just old school and uh, <laughs> I look just like- I, I agree um that it, it's less human because you're not you're basically throwing yourself into the unknown got it and reaping the benefits but i think I, I think that humans are more than just information processors. Like we take yeah. in information and we put out a creation. Yeah. I think what we're doing is we're taking this algorithm mm-hmm. and we're putting our information into mm-hmm. that yeah. and bringing a creation out. I, I see the possibilities yeah. and I can see where this is going, <laughs> but the human side of me don't like that. And it's not because I'm afraid of some sort of Terminator or anything like that. I just think that that the human development and your personal touch, whether that's in Mozart, Bach, or that is in a painting, or is because of the life experience. Yeah. And I know you can mathematically analyze 200 symphonies by Mozart and come up with, wow, what would he have done next based upon that? But he was a prodigy. He was a genius. And that's, that's amazing. But I'm not sure I would want to... I don't know. It's just... I, <laughs> but again, it's not about replicating Mozart. I, I, I like, it's yeah. about collaborating with Mozart. Because now you know what Mozart has done. I understand. You can say, let's I understand. Try this. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I just... There's something about, about me that just... I don't I don't like that. So it, yeah, again, no, it's that's, my that's personal fine. thing. And of course, you can be blown away when I listen to it and go, wow, that was really amazing. But I just think that the human 
connection between humans when you create a piece of work whether it's a book symphony a film whatever it is it, I, I think we we've all read the the i read uh, i i played a thousand hours of svu into a computer algorithm and then asked the computer algorithm to write an svu episode and here it is this svu uh, a, a law and disorder svu oh okay yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. and it's just a okay. uh, very amusing yeah. uh gibberish okay. okay i can see what you're saying there um okay that makes sense all right um thank you for taking us down a dystopian <laughs> path for me <laughs> you're welcome so when you ask me about the three things that's been invented i i took it very literal what has <laughs> changed the way we do so i go all the way back to gutenberg and the this printing was press. very close okay. to my list so the printing press so the fact before that books had to be copied hand by hand letter by letter by someone sitting there and copying one book to another it took forever and they came up with a system of just you know pressing a lot of letters together and do it very fast and bringing out books i think that revolutionized the way knowledge was spread yeah it brought the prices of uh, of books down and made it more accessible for everyone everywhere to learn and be inspired by other people so i think gutenberg is it's amazing. So yeah, yep. this is that's my number one on my Absolutely. List. As an addendum to that, I would add the typewriter. Um yes. because that basically allowed for greater replication oh, of absolutely. and production absolutely. and that sort of thing. But that's like four, five, six hundred years. Yeah, later. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, 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 four, five, um yeah. my uh, my next one is more of a form that would piggyback on the printing press because the printing press kind of led me down this road of replication. But I think when talking about the creativity of writing, we take it as a given that the majority of books that people read are novels. Yes. And the novel form was invented or at least popularized only in like the 1800s mm. um, or the 17th century around there. Really? there. There were things that we could consider novels as back, far back as like 1100 BC, I believe. But the novel as a form and that kind of the meme of creating a novel, which is a person's story, which includes the hero's journey, et cetera, mm. et cetera. I think that that was kind of a uh, a stepping off point of like people could express their own stories um, and started viewing, for better or worse, their own lives as a story rather than I'm a person that exists in the world mm. and now I'm, this is, I'm a story that I am telling in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think the, the creation of a novel was kind of an epoch where humans started seeing stories everywhere. Yeah. Um, even if they weren't writers. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, um, that's, that's, um, that's pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't think about that. But you're right. Um, my second one is the computer. Okay. Which of course yeah. is an extension of the typewriter. Um, IBM came up with the first computer, which was of course came from a typewriter to computer, and now everyone, everyone has access to a computer or a computer in their pocket with their phone. And the way to spread to create something and uh, to to create your own thing. I think the computer has revolutionized creativity. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, and I think that the computer, the personal computer, the phone, the tablet, the iPad, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's just an extension of yourself um, and you can create so much stuff on it, uh, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, just through, I guess the printing press made it easier to replicate 
works, mm-hmm. whereas the computer has made it easier to create works yes. similar to exactly. yeah, like the typewriter. So whether it's music or books or films or exactly. whatever it is. And, I mean. and God, computers have affected every part of our lives and creativity Absolutely. has become so much more ubiquitous Yes, because the tools are literally in your home now. Like yeah. You don't need to go to an art studio with no. a wall full of paint and a big canvas. You can literally use a computer program at home yes. and learn to paint. That's true. Um, or right or what have you it is it it it's a way of uh, i guess popularizing creativity yes or i guess democratizing creativity exactly so it becomes barriers. the entry come the entry to become creative becomes cheaper yeah uh and it's more for everyone it's it's as you said democratized everybody has a shot at it now because there's a tool yeah. that you can use now i'm almost certain my final one we will both have okay and it might be both it's the camera or photography no, that's not really. My, yes, <laughs> I, I think this one is was the last bastion of humans uh, capturing reality. No, I like it. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I think it's great. You're mentioning <laughs> no, it, but absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking as a film guy. Like, no, no, yeah. no. I, well, I have something <laughs> I think is more important. But yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I think because. Picasso, I believe Picasso went on record saying that like, because he was around for the invention of yeah. of the camera and he was like, yeah. well, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> That's it. I'm going to learn photography now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, the, for so long we were, our artists were at least so concerned with capturing reality and then yeah. their form of reality that when we could, with a snap of a finger, capture reality. Yeah it changed how we interact both with reality and telling our version of reality. Yeah. When um, you say snap a finger and create reality, they make it sound like it's easy to make a film, but thank you. <laughs> well, I was talking no. about a photo. Okay, okay, so, yeah. okay photo. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Because yeah. again, like capturing a landscape yes, could no, take absolutely. three months to oh, paint abs- a realistic perfect. landscape. And in the meantime, and- the trees are dropped all the leaves, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, yeah. that yeah, absolutely. The, the camera was kind of, the last, the last point that stopped, uh, that was stood between humans, really interacting with reality in okay. in a in in a creative way. Wow, no, no, the camera again. Everybody's got a camera in their phone now. Yeah, and, and shoot <laughs> films and all this stuff. So it's yeah, it's I. We, the camera is very important, and we wouldn't have movies without cameras. So I like that you put it on there. But no, that was not on my list. So yeah. now you're wondering what I have on my list. I am. I'm very interested. Because so you, were, you were thinking we'd have all three the same. Yeah, I was like, how can we not have the three the same? <laughs> how can we not? How can you not think about Gutenberg or the computer? Um, so my last one is the internet. Absolutely. Because, I mean, the fact that you and I sit and talking here and hopefully somebody out there <laughs> listening to yeah. our voices is because of the internet, right? Yeah. The way we bring stories out, the way we distribute stories the way we find people who are similar to our taste i mean the way just collaboration just i mean yeah. had you told charlie chaplin back in the day in the 30s and 40s when he was fighting against the studios that you've got this thing here in your pocket you go on there and millions of people can follow you and they can give you money he was like he would be like sign me <laughs> up all right yeah i mean where do i sign up right <laughs> i mean this is this is gonna I cut all the stuff, all the gatekeepers, we can get around them because mm-hmm. I always say the fat guy with the cigar, right? He was always there, whether it's a record label guy, the, the publisher Absolutely. or the studio head will always be the gatekeeper. And if you didn't pass that gatekeeper, sorry, you were out of luck because you couldn't, you couldn't distribute. You yeah. couldn't get things out there. Yeah. And now you can't because of the internet. So I think even though I'm a film guy and the camera, of course, is important, 
I think that the internet is of even more importance because that has truly democratized yeah. distribution. Especially now with streaming. Like, so yeah. Everything. And, 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 and so if you are creative, you can get your idea out there. And are you original enough? People will follow you. Yeah. So that's, Absolutely. that's my thing. I, I 100% agree. Like the internet, uh, again, is, is such a broad tool yeah. that humans can use. Absolutely. Um, that like it can't help but impact every aspect of no. people's lives. Like it's changed the way that we shop. It's it's changed the way that we work. It's changed yeah. the way it's changed everything. Little literally everything yeah. about it. But I think at at its core, it's about communication, and so is creativity and art. Exactly. And so if you look at the other landmarks, like the radio was mm-hmm. a big because it united millions of people. But it was gate, it was run by gatekeepers, right? Yeah. Then the TV stations came along, right? Again, run by gatekeepers. They decided what was good taste, not good taste. Now you got the internet. Yep. And you can throw your bad taste up there <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, and people do. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah, and we have to live with that. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. I I mean, programming I I feel is is kind of the in between of the computer yeah. and the internet. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I, I, it's fascinating, yeah. but it's not something I'm excited about. That's just what I'm saying. <laughs> As you could tell. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. And I think because again, like when I was thinking about this, like the Gutenberg Press, of yep. course, was on top of my list. And I was like. Well, that really revolutionized publishing when we talk about creativity, like, yes, making more things easier to publish. Mm. But, yeah, and then uh, that's how I kind of came to the novel because, like, yeah, how humans interact with the form. Or also about knowledge, how that was spread, which inspired creativity. So that's why I put Gutenberg on there. But, no, it makes sense. Well, Zane, we've done done 10 episodes. That's 10. And we have the list. And if you are listening to this program, you know that we have show notes. wherever you subscribe or listen to your podcast and you go through all the things we talked about. There'll be links to everything. Check it out for yourself. And hopefully you like this. If you like it, please, please, please give us a five star and a good review and share it with your creative friends. Um, We're excited to do this and we want to do many more. Absolutely. Go buy some paint from Stuart Semple. (laughs) I like that. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.